0: Previously in Masterclass, we talked about the various promotional gimmicks of radio stations to attract listeners. A substantial amount are spent, not only by the stations themselves, but also by advertisers, just to get the audience glued to their on-air undertakings. And that left me thinking, if I didn't have all the money in the world, what can I do to square off with the giants? And a light bulb moment suddenly came to be. Hello, I'm George, and welcome to your masterclass. We've been talking about radio in the past several episodes, and this time, let's take a look at other novel ideas which were actually used to bolster station stickiness. Back in the early 80s, I was with a station that was part of a huge network. We had everything we needed to compete with other stations, or so it seemed. However, being at a big network had its drawbacks. Radio always seemed to take a backseat to television. Almost all the resources of the business were poured into television. We and radio had to be more creative to attain top of mind recall. It so happened that I had a double shift during Sundays. I'd go on air at 8 to 10 a.m. Then I'd move over to the TV studio to voice over for the all network Sunday noontime show. At three, I'd be back on radio till 5. And usually some of the guest singers of the TV show would hang out with me. One of them, Martin Yavera, whose career was on a spectacular rise, became a regular hanger-on. And since he was there, and being the gregarious and eloquent person that he was, he usually makes side comments and remarks during the course of my spiels. It led to his literally co-hosting my show, which suddenly saw an uptick in listenership. That's how popular Martin was. So then I figured, instead of having him as co-host, why don't I just ask him to do the two-hour show instead? Since he was always there anyway. He'd be able to live his dream of being a DJ. He'd be able to play whatever he liked. He'd be able to interact with his fans on the phone he'd be able to be highly visible. And most of all, I'd get to go home early, since he'll be doing my show. Perfect. And he loved the idea. The concept was not exactly a novelty. Several artists have done the same thing in the United States. Howard Stern, Rick D's, Don Imus, and other top DJs used to guest singing stars and make them co-host their shows. I remember I did the same with a couple of international artists, too. They were just supposed to be interviewed to promote their concerts. They ended up co-hosting my show and had a lot of fun doing it. But Martin was different. He not only agreed to do it on his own, he even controlled the mixing board like a real DJ. That gig with Martin led to other innovations. When I left that station to open KISS FM, Martin went along with me to continue his show, this time on a Saturday afternoon, right after our highly popular weekly song countdown, The Top 20 at 12. It was actually more convenient for him, since his office was just a few minutes away from our station. And so Martin's show became a fixture every Saturday. Before we knew it, another popular artist, Gary Valenciano, began hanging out and did a separate show for us. Now, that was a casting coup of sorts. Two of the most popular singers in the country were now hosting weekend shows for us, at absolutely no cost. They did it for the fun of it. This created a bandwagon effect. Disco was huge during those days, and the famous DJs led by John Robinson started volunteering to supply us with their mixes, and eventually we started airing them live during their club gigs. And again, the nicest thing about the whole exercise, we never spent a single cent for the mileage we got from those wonderful artists. Since those heady days of the 80s, radio stations have been doing the same thing too, albeit on different platforms. While in the 80s stations had remote vans that aired live from different locations during sticker campaigns, various innovations began to crop up. Most notable among these is the wish fm bus this became the epitome of hugeness of power the station plunked in a huge amount to actually design and build a fully functional radio and recording booth inside a repurposed tourist bus that was capable of going live sure other stations have done that but who among them can claim that they were capable of airing live performances of bands and other artists direct from inside the bus. And they knew where to park the bus in high traffic malls. And it didn't stop there. The station was several steps ahead of the competition. They launched a songwriting contest and held the finals in the biggest live venue in the city. They even had an awards night to honor outstanding artists. They then scrimp. And they got what they wanted. Awareness. Funny thing is, the station's programming format was soft, adult, contemporary. Thus, having rock bands and rap artists seemed incongruous to what they actually had on air. But it worked. And so, as they say, you can't argue with success. Even if their format was life years away from the artists they were featuring, It achieved its purpose for having top-of-mind recall. In fact, its followers in the Internet and YouTube has shot up to the millions. Now that's a promotional model that should be looked into. And here's the kicker. They now even have a Wish bus in California, of all places. And they're not even on the air in that part of the world. That's where the Internet presence came to play. Which brings us to what broadcasters deem to be the death knell of radio. The internet. In a previous episode, we talked about video killed a radio star, which actually didn't really happen. But I posed the question, is Spotify finally killing radio? That's one thing we can look into and seriously consider. Now, if you were a broadcaster, what would you do in order to survive this ominous threat to your livelihood? to your industry. The way I see it, we're falling into that trap set by the Internet. We're playing its game, its rules, and we're playing right into their traps. Is it wrong to do that? Is it wrong to consider the Internet as a threat? How can we parlay the Internet onslaught to our advantage? I remember back in the late 90s to early 2000s, I was asked what I thought about the Internet still a fledgling concept during those days. And I said it would be great if we can have a radio station in the internet and have a worldwide audience instead of catering to a specific local area. An incubator actually gave me seed money to start up what can be considered as the first internet radio station in the Philippines. It had practically the same concept of Spotify. Unfortunately, internet connectivity was slow and limited during that time, And inevitably, my company folded. Now that Spotify is a reality, how can we use the platform to continue our business model? And what about podcasts? Aren't they the clones of radio talk shows? If so, why do they get more listeners now than the actual radio talk shows? Countless questions to answer, countless answers to ponder on. And that's what we're headed for. Next week, we talk about how we can transition from broadcast to webcast. Take note, there must be tens of millions of podcasts in various platforms. How then do we achieve top of mind? How can we create stickiness? And most importantly, how do we monetize it and make it a profitable venture? I'll see you again next week. Do join me for another episode of Masterclass. And if you have comments and suggestions, write me a note and send it to george at CutBrandProductions.com. That's george at CutBrandProductions.com. And another reminder, please tell your folks about Boomer's Banquet. It's a weekly live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and other platforms. And we talk about pop culture, music, trends, and whatever may tickle the fancy of baby boomers and the not so elderly. It's fun. It's engaging. It's hilarious you're guaranteed to have a sunday morning that's full of laughter hope to hear from you you can even catch all the previous episodes on youtube and the audio version on spotify stay safe and well folks good night and god bless ad mayorem de gloriam this show is produced by cutprint podcast network and george boone executive producer patsy ferrell writer george mercado Creative Director, Christine Alido. Social Media Manager, Nia Escondo. Sound Engineer, MJ Habal. Researcher, Lee Malcolm. To advertise, email us at podcast at cutprintproductions.com or call us at 0918-807-8478. That's 0918-807-8478.